Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning. Welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact around Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. I'm Jay Cresswell of 98.7 K-Love. Thank you for joining me this morning. Now, later on this hour, we'll talk with Evelyn Costalo and the great work that Incarnation House is doing with underprivileged students. And because of the current COVID crisis, the families of those students as well. But first, we welcome Jan Langbein, the CEO of Genesis, uh, Genesis Women's Shelter and Support. Good morning, Jan. Jay, hi. Good morning. Thank you for having me this morning. Uh, so appreciative of you being here now, many people, especially those of us who've been in the business, know about Genesis Women's Shelter and Support, but most don't. So please, if you could just give us a little bit of background on the uh, foundation of the organization and how it all got started. Absolutely. I would love to. And, you know, you say a lot of people hear about it, but I, I, I get so um, troubled when I hear women come forward and say, I didn't know there was a place like that for me. So what you're doing and letting us talk about it is a great thing. So Genesis opened its doors as an emergency shelter in 1985 for women and children only who are victims of domestic violence. Um, at that first you know, day we opened, we thought, well, we can get them jobs, we can get them protective orders, we can get them into safe places. And what we learned is it's just not that easy. And so over the years, what we've done is built a continuum of care where that no matter where um, a survivor needs us, we stand ready to help her. No cost, no strings attached. So we have not only the emergency shelter, we have long-term transitional housing. Not only do we have housing, but we also stand ready to help women and kiddos who are either haven't left or they've left and have other residential resources. So we have a non-residential counseling center that provides the same services except they don't need a place to sleep. We have a legal clinic on site that helps moms and kids with divorce and custody issues. We have a school on site on our safe campus where kiddos can be safe during the day while mom is at work or, you know, in a period of time when dad is probably hunting them um, and they're not safe in their old school. So, again, um, we have been putting one foot in front of the other for almost 35 years, and uh, we know that it's, it's life-changing. Uh, tell me how you learned how to add these services. Is it a case of you started small and as the organization grew, you discovered a need for legal help or housing? How did that work? Right. No, Jay, you're exactly right. It was, a, and I was not from abuse. I wasn't from a nonprofit background. And it, it was small when I went there almost 30 years ago. But what I would, I had no master strategic plan, but I would look up and I'd say, well, how does she go get a job if she doesn't have childcare? So we basically put childcare on site. Or what about her elementary school kiddos? They can't go back to their school, so we put school on site. Well, we also realized pretty quickly that a six-week stay in a shelter wasn't long enough, and so we put transitional housing, a longer-term stay of almost up to a year, um, on site. Uh, we also recognize that when an abuser can no longer hit her or hurt her, he will walk into court wearing a suit and a tie, tell the court she's a terrible mother, and go for custody, the one thing that would hurt her the most. 
And so we put a legal clinic on site. Now, that sounds pretty easy, but that's a a 30-year process of raising funds and getting community support to make these critical life-saving services happen. But, no, to your point, you're exactly right. We would look up and see a need and then uh, find a way to make it happen. You know, uh, people watch Law & Order, NCIS, the cop shows, the lawyer shows on TV. The uh, portrayal of abuse and how it's handled in the court system and maybe with law enforcement, do you think that's accurate or do you see it even worse in your situation? Well, it doesn't get fixed in a a 30-minute or (laughs) one-hour show. That's for darn sure because it is a a process that it starts. It's also a process to leave it. But what I find with regards to some cop shows, they do it right and some they don't. But in the city of Dallas in 1985, two battered women actually sued the city of Dallas. They felt they had not received protection under due process. And there was an out-of-court settlement. Basically, they won. And uh, what we now have is an amazing partnership with the Dallas police. There is a domestic violence unit. They will make an arrest of a perpetrator. They will hold accountable the, perpet- the, the abuser and will find safety for the victim. Um, you know, there's a... Um, there's a lieutenant in that department, uh, Lieutenant Polly Ashford, who uh, runs several sergeants and several detectives. And, you know, she understands it. She gets it. She understands the, the trauma after the trauma and uh, uh, works very closely with the service providers here in Dallas. So we're very lucky. We came by it the hard way, but we are... Um, we work together as a city to make a difference. And, you know, I can't speak for other municipalities, but one thing Dallas has done is actually the Dallas police have um, adopted what's called a lethality assessment program where uh, there are the patrol officer. It used to be that the patrol officer would go out to a house and, you know, the abuser had run out the front door and she's crying and he's like, well, I don't know what I can do. Now it is fill out these 12 questions, things that can, that have been, um, research-based, and they can indicate the not only the uh, re- poss- probability of the reoccurrence of the abuse, but the probability of lethality. Um, he asked, you know, this questionnaire says, um, are there guns in the house? Are there non-biological kids in the house? Has he ever tried to strangle you? Is he employed? Um, does he stalk you? Uh, so there are several of these kinds of questions that once it, um, you know, she says yes, yes, no, yes, it triggers a protocol for the police to call directly to the service providers, identify this this uh, woman, this victim, as a um, at high risk, a lap client is what we call them, and we get on the phone and say, you know, ma'am, I think he's going to kill you. Well, no, 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 I, he just fought me. But the whole picture, the whole picture, can identify potential lethality. And so I, I have to say, the Dallas police, you know, on most occasions, does absolutely you know, as, as best as they can. So uh, we're proud of that partnership. So, you know, you're talking about does it, does it look like on TV shows? Um, I was just talking with somebody the other day, actually, Nicole Kidman, who is our luncheon speaker. I want to talk to you about her in a minute. But, yes. Um, she, you know, star, produced and starred Big Little Lies. And that portrayal of the abuse was absolutely spot on. The toxic relationship that they have, the I'm, I, I want to stay, but and I'm, I'm terrified to go. Um, she portrayed the cycle of violence, how the violence escalates over time. The the most dangerous was you know experiencing suffocation and strangulation. Um, so I mean, it, you know, most shows, like I say, have to figure it out in. Um, an hour yeah, time. right. Uh, but over this series, this three-part series, it was very well done. Well, do you remember the burning bed with Farrah Fawcett? Yes, yes. I actually re- referenced that. I, I said to Nicole Kidman in this interview, I said, you know, you look at a movie like The Burning Bed, or Jennifer Lopez was in a movie called Enough. Yes. And it is literally, you see the abuse, she's scared to leave, she packs a bag or lights a match or something, and then it's over. It's done. She's taking care of it. What we find, the, the problem with that is those shows don't give any right. alternatives. For example, it doesn't portray the, the trauma, as I say, after the trauma, the fact that he'll try to get your kids. Now, in Big Little Lies, if you've seen that show, if you haven't, you need to. 
But if, if you have, and this isn't a spoiler alert because it <laughs> happens at the very beginning, but the abuser uh, dies right at the very beginning of the show, and then it kind of traces it back. But in Big Little Lies, that was the end of her abuser and physical abuse. But then the mother-in-law took a role of, my son was a good boy, you're not qualified for these kids, almost the same thing that we see in court that the abusers do. I'm a good guy, I've never hurt the kids, she lives in a shelter, she's a drunk, she's a bad mother, whatever. And then she doesn't have often... Without somebody like Genesis, she doesn't have civil legal representation and many times loses her children, which is just, like I say, the worst punch he could ever give her, ever. Do we find... I'm sorry, go ahead, Jan. No, 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 that's it. I was going to say, have you found, I don't know if there are studies, you you would know better than I, that abuse is a learned behavior? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The good news then is, if it's a learned behavior, it can be unlearned. Yes. Now, there's usually not a lot of impetus for someone to want to unlearn their behavior, mm-hmm. but uh, because it's kind of working for them, if you get my drift. Yes. But um, absolutely, children who are raised in a violent home get on-the-job training to be a victim or to be an abuser. And kids may try on the different hats, and they find that it feels terrible when I'm in collusion with mom, because often I get hurt, but it's really bad. I feel terrible when I'm in collusion with dad and don't do anything. So we we know that children raised in in a violent home not only continue that generational cycle of of abuse in their own relationships. You made your point. I really appreciate that. Now We will get to Nicole Kidman and your luncheon shortly. But first of all, I just, you know, the biggest, most important question, how do we help a friend who may be experiencing domestic violence? Jay, that's such a great question. I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, I think, first of all, we need to realize that it was very, very, very hard for her to tell a friend that information, that she doesn't want, um, you know, to be looked at differently. She doesn't want to be judged is is really the deal. Uh, But most often we think that, you know, the first thing out of our mouth is, well, why don't you get out of there? Right. Well, that's a dumb question. It really is. I mean, why isn't the question, first of all, why isn't the question, why did he hit you in the first place? What is wrong with a guy who does that? But I think when we're trying to help a friend, number one, we believe her. We tell her that there is help and hope. And we tell her there are resources like Genesis Women's Shelter and Support, where the phone is answered 24 hours a day. We, We should not get what like storm into a house where there's violence because we can also be injured. But, you know, uh, there are a lot of different sort of covert ways to support her. For example, during this coronavirus epidemic, this pandemic, it's not safe for a woman who is quarantined with her abuser to call the police or to call a shelter. But you know what? She can leave a porch light on after 10 o'clock and let her neighbor know to please call the police for her. Or, you know, we can step up and it's like to see something, say something. Yes. She may not, not be um, comfortable crying out while, you know, during this pandemic where we don't know where to go, we don't know what to do. Um, and um, they, uh, you know, so maybe a neighbor can say, you know, I, if there's anything I can ever do for you, if I can loan you some money, if I can, you know, get you to a hotel or something like that. You know, the shelters are full. I, with the COVID, people are having a shelter instead of in shelter in place. It's shelter in shelter. So, you know, we are, um, we have been frozen in time for a while. Yeah. And when there is an opening, we do have to prioritize based on lethality. But that's not for uh, somebody to give up. Um, she may need to speak with a counselor and shore up strength to get out. But if people will go to our website, Jay, at, which is genesisshelter.org, there is a drop-down list of how to help a friend. Um, don't judge. Be there for her. Don't give up on her if she goes back to him, whatever. Um, but, you know, it, it, talk to her about a safety plan. Talk to her about hiding papers at your house or you know, have a spare set of clothes or a car she could borrow if she needed to get out. Um, there are lots of ways we can help people, but the first thing is to believe them and not gasp, oh, that's hard to believe he's such a nice guy, or why didn't you get out? Because both those comments right there shut her down. She'll never tell you again. And why would she, you know? The website is genesisshelter.org. I want to let everyone know that I'm speaking with Jan Langbein. She's the CEO of Genesis Women's Shelter and Support and uh, you're listening to Better Living. Now, Jan, we've seen the public service announcements on TV. 
about how domestic violence has increased during the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it, is it an astronomical increase? Is it, I I mean, I know you're one small sample size of that, but what have you seen? No, I'm hearing it from other agencies. I'm hearing it. I'm on the board of directors of the national domestic violence hotline. I'm hearing it from there. The problem is I don't think we've seen I think we've seen just the tip of the iceberg. I think when there is an all-clear bell sounding, it's going to be a tsunami of people asking for help. Because, again, she can't call out. He's in the next room. And the fact that now he's lost his job, the income is gone, tensions are building, the kids are in the house, uh, she lost her job. And, you know, those are just, man, those, that's just fertile ground for, for abuse. Um, we worry about the children in those homes because being out of school, uh, teachers and schools are the number one referral source of noticing child abuse or kids who are not changing their clothes or getting dental work or things that might be a flag to somebody uh, that there's trouble in the home. So, yes, the calls are daily, um, even though we have to look at alternative ways to help her. But we also have heard, listen to this, we've also heard, Jay, that that COVID has, in, for some abusers, become a choice of weapon, hmm. where if she doesn't get dinner on time, he's going to cough in her face. Or if she doesn't clean up the house, she's not going to be allowed to wear a mask to the grocery store. Or he makes her wash her hands so many times that they ha- they bleed. Um, so, I mean, literally, that has, that's not COVID, that's abuse, and it's just yes. another choice of weapon. So, yes, we know that it has, is an increase, um, and it has also limited services through 911 and through hotlines like ours. Um, how, I mean, you've given some examples of having your neighbor help you leaving the porch light on after 10 at night. Are there other ways to stay safe at home if you're trapped there with an abuser? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So again, if, if women can, or big survivors can go to our website, there's also a, a drop down that talks about safety planning. And a lot of it has, you know, can be how I'm going to get out, but some of it talks about how, how what do I do to stay in the relationship? You want to keep it as calm and cool as possible. And that's really hard to do when somebody's railing on you and railing on you. You know, naturally we would all push back, right? But that can be the most dangerous thing uh, because he just seems to get a bigger stick, right? Right. Um, and so we also know that, you know, there's more dangerous rooms in the house, the kitchen where the knives are, the, the bedrooms where the, the uh, guns are, the bathroom where there's only one exit that you could be trapped in that. So, you know, keeping like the TV down and if, if the kids are fussing try to try to help that with that um and and none of that should be her responsibility right it shouldn't be her responsibility to keep her safe it should be the abuser's responsibility not to put her in danger not not to be dangerous but still this is how many women live uh jan i checked out your website before we began our interview it's very easy to navigate the hub works beautifully there are so many yes There's so many different things to click on. Um, You know, if you click on other websites, they're very hard to navigate. The genesisshelter.org website is very easy to navigate if you need to go there. Also, I want to throw out there your hotline number. It's 214-946-HELP, which is 214-946-4357 if you need help from the Genesis Shelter and support. Now... I want to talk about your events. I know events are, you know, we don't know what are happening with events for the rest of the year and next year. Uh, Let's start with your lecture series. Tell us about the lecture series. Well, and all of these have had to pivot. I'm sure you've seen events all over the city, all over the country, having to pivot. Our National Conference on Crimes Against Women, which annually draws about uh, 3,000 law enforcement and prosecutors to Dallas, Um, we had to take that uh, virtual um, which we're doing a webinar series throughout the summer. But our lecture series, again, is having to go viral. Uh, the good news is we can have more people attend if, if they are interested in doing that, and that is on our website. But four times a year, we, uh, men and women come together to really learn about this issue. It's like a in-person, in-depth podcast. Uh, we talk about you know, gaslighting, we talk about financial abuse, we talk about the other kinds of abuse, you know, that 
get hurt as much, even though he doesn't hit me uh, or, or um, you know, sexually assault me. Uh, we talk about all kinds of, of things. Uh, why does he do it? Uh, can he change? Those kinds of things. But this year, which I'm very excited about, it, it because we will be recognizing, in fact, next week, the 100th anniversary of the woman's right to vote, uh, we have looked at a century with the impact of domestic violence on women, how it has changed not just the vote, but how we are, are now being abused electronically, which is the one coming up next week, um, how he you know, stalks us in our workplace, in our home, how he, you know, can find us through Internet and all kinds of, do horrible things online. Um, we have talked, we will be talking about how, um, in a hundred years, how it has changed with regards to our programming. We used to use what was called, Jay, a medical model, which means, let me get you in here, let me get your protective order, let me get you a house, and here's a pill, and you'll feel better. Mm-hmm. Now we know that that's not the case. Everything we do from the way we answer the phone to the way we rock our babies, how we teach our kids in school to how we counsel is called a a trauma-informed model. We don't say what's wrong with you. We say what's happened to you. And so our services have have drastically changed, uh, and this is nationally with regards to this women's movement. Um, We would love for listeners to join us on um, August the 19th at noon and uh, enjoy this upcoming lecture in our lecture series. Uh, there's an easy way to buy a ticket and, and log on. We'll get you the code. Uh, but in addition to the lecture series, our biggest event of the year, and by the way, these events aren't just for fun. It, literally, because we receive no government funding, uh, these are critical. We can't open the door. We can't answer the phone unless people support us through these kinds of gifts um, and donations. So our biggest event uh, was is usually what we call our Genesis Annual Luncheon, which is right around Mother's Day. Well, I remember in March thinking, oh, my gosh, is this going to be over by May? Will we have a vaccine by May? Which sounds ridiculous uh, on this side of it. Yep. But at some point, we postponed it till September and then realized it was absolutely irresponsible to have people come to a hotel with masks on, you know. So um, it will be virtual. We are interviewing an amazing woman, uh, Nicole Kidman, who basically has done incredible roles with how, you know, in, in uh, Bombshell, in her movie last yeah. fall, uh, she portrayed Gretchen Carlson, who stood up and was the voice for thousands of women who had no voice. Um, I think, you know, Gretchen Carlson made possible uh, perhaps the Me Too movement, somebody younger than she was, having courage to stand up and speak out, shout out. Uh, but Nicole Kidman picks these kinds of roles, a uh, strong woman in Cold Mountain. Um, you know, she was uh, the wife trying to hang on to her husband's uh, sanity. She picks these uh, roles with very, very strong women, whether it's Cold Mountain or, or Railway Man. Um, Far and Away was a good one, too. Far and Away is another one, absolutely, and that was one of her younger younger roles. Yep. Uh, but the, the Big Little Lies and, again, Bombshell, uh, really, she has a strong passion to end violence against women and stand up. She gives credit to her mother, who actually has been an activist uh, Nicole's entire life. So we would love to have people join us at that luncheon. The good, the bad news is, again, it's it's viral, uh, virtual, virtually viral. I hope. Um, <laughs> but the good news is, we can, you know, move. We can bring people in that the fire marshal doesn't have to count for us. We were limited to a certain number in the ballroom at the hotel. But now people can go online, get a ticket for uh, the interviews and the luncheon with Nicole Kidman and watch it in their PJs or watch it with their friends. Um, but we would love for people to go to our website, genesisshelter.org slash luncheon. The uh, lecture series is on Wednesday the 19th. The luncheon is on Wednesday, September 2nd. Yes. Both great events. I know there's another uh, event you had to push back to next year, a ladies' bruncheon. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. I know. I'm so glad you brought that up. We recognize that in the you know, domestic violence has is what I call an equal opportunity epidemic. It knows no boundaries. It happens in Highland Park. It happens in Lake Highlands. It happens in South Oak Cliff. However, in South Oak Cliff, it, uh, in the southern sector of Dallas, uh, black women are actually, they experience it 30 for, 35% times higher wow. than white women. 
And unfortunately, they are less likely to ask for help. They are least likely to reach out to a social service agency like Genesis, all based on myths, all based on misunderstandings or fear of the unknown. Um, but we, what we have been trying to do in the past several years is actually have a presence, have a, um, a bridge into uh, the churches and the schools and uh, people in the Southern sector to let them know about Genesis, to let them trust Genesis and, and get services from Genesis. So one of the things we did was to have a, a bruncheon, uh, annual bruncheon called the First Ladies Bruncheon, and we you know, it started with honoring uh, first ladies of many of these churches, small and large, these mega churches down there um, in the southern sector. And we would have, you know, we'd get our hats on and we'd get our praise on and we would talk about how, you know, domestic violence makes God cry. Um, it, it's so interesting, I think, <clears throat> pardon me, it's so interesting, I think, that in a five-mile radius between the Potter's House and over to Golden Gate Baptist and everything going south in a in a very small area over 500,000 people worship on Sunday morning and if we are not talking about this there then the information isn't getting out so that was the purpose of that but unfortunately because of covid we cannot have it we know that the African American community is being impacted greatly by covid and it just wasn't a smart time to do this so we have postponed it for a year uh, you know, there are many ways people can help your organization. Why don't you run those down for us? Well, first, I always say, if it, were, if it weren't for COVID, I'd say, please roll up your sleeves and volunteer. Please be a part of one of the volunteer opportunities. Or have your book club or your neighborhood or your church friends get together and do a drive for us. Unfortunately, we had to... Uh, discontinue our volunteer services as COVID started. We couldn't ask people to come down. Unfortunately, they uh, volunteers provide a lot of our meals. And so, you know, we've had to do a lot of curbside pickup and, you know, scrambles to make food, meals happen. Uh, we've had some volunteers who can't come down but would send a meal from a restaurant that they want to help support during COVID as well. Um, so normally we say, hey, come on down and volunteer, but there are lots of ways you can do other, other ways to help us. Uh, a donation, of course. Go online, make a donation um, in honor of somebody, in memory of somebody, or just because you're, you're concerned about this issue. Uh, but also you can donate to our benefit thrift store, in-kind, gently used in-kind donations. We, are, we have suspended pickups in our, in our truck. But we are open seven days a week for people to come down and drop off. It's contactless. You have to, like, get out of your car, lift it out, and put it on a table so we can spray it. But um, we would love to have donations that we turn, we, the sales of which we turn into uh, emergency client assistance. Um, there are, you can go on our website and find more ways. Um, you can even do back-to-school things. Uh, we have an Amazon site that you can make an order and then ship straight to the shelter. Um, and the other thing is, um, like I say, in-kind uh, donations. Do uh, paper towels and toilet paper and cleaning supplies. We need Lysol spray and wipes and all kinds of COVID cleaning types of things. Um, so, yeah, it's, there's a lot of ways to help, and the website lists quite a few of them. Go to the Genesis Shelter Hub, as you said, on our website, and they, they will give you information of, of wish lists. Which is the easiest to deal with? For example, you know, if a tornado comes through and the Red Cross is helping people, they say just cash is best or quickest. Which is quickest for you? Uh, Money you or a donation? donation? I mean, a, a cash donation or the thrift store donation, which affects oh, you quicker? I'll, I'll turn whatever you can into <laughs> money. I promise. I will turn whatever you have into something that helps somebody else. So I will take cash charge, in-kind, you name it. Good. Just be a part of it. That's the thing about it is, Jay, just do something about it. Don't just shake your head and say, gosh, isn't that a shame that one out of every three women in this country, in Texas, will be assaulted in their, in their life. One out of every three. You know, I've got two daughters. I don't know if you have children, but you know what? If it's not, I hope it's not mine, so it may be yours. 
We've got to look at being a part of the solution. We have an amazing organization called Heroes. We have over 200 men who say, you know what, not in my house, and by God, not in yours either. And they grill for our clients. They donate to our, our shelter. Uh, but whatever you can do, you need to do something. Put a sign up. If you're a doctor or a nurse, put a sign up in your office that says, um, are you safe in your home? Uh, put brochures. If you're in the church, put a, a thing in the back of the stall, um, restroom stall doors that say, if someone you know needs help, dial 946-HELP. Um, I think we can spread the word. We can spread the wealth. We can spread the care, uh, whatever but be a part of this. Be a part of it. It's the right thing to do. And for those who uh, may have checked, I don't know, months ago, your thrift store reopened just a couple weeks ago. Isn't that yes. right? Yes, that is. We did have to close it, which is terrible for not only our moms who get to shop at no cost, but also the income that that generates for us. I'd like to uh, direct everyone to genesisshelter.org. The lecture series is coming up on Wednesday the 19th. The luncheon on Wednesday uh, September 2nd, Nicole Kidman, uh, the special guest speaker there. Our guest has been Jan Langbein, the CEO of Genesis Women's Shelter and Support. Uh, you know, all charitable organizations are worthwhile. Uh, exclamation points on this one. Jan, thank you so mm -hmm. much for being our guest. That was a fast half hour, Jay, but thank you for letting us get the word out. I think my hope is that someone listening um, will need this help and find it because of you and the show. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thanks, Jay. Good morning to you. I'm Ian Camfield of Alt 103.7. And as promised, we are joined by Evelyn Costolo, the CEO of Incarnation House. Now, Incarnation House prepares uh, homeless and uh, houses insecure youth for life success by providing access to educational, emotional and other support services. They're dedicated to working alongside North Dallas High School with uh, families to ensure each student has the tools, knowledge, and support needed for life success. So this morning, we'll uh, have a discussion about how they go about that and also how they've had to uh, change and adapt during COVID-19 because uh, we've all had to do that to some extent and it's been uh, even harder in some cases for uh, a lot of non-profit organizations. Um, Evelyn, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. So um, if you would, please give us some um, uh, some history on how Incarnation House got started. How we got started? Yes. Yes, thank you. So you did an excellent job with uh, describing exactly what we do. We are roughly a five-year agency, and it really came out of the workings of Church of the Incarnation, which is located down on McKinney, right across from North Dallas High School. And members of the congregation really got involved with uh, drop-in breakfast, drop-in lunch, mentoring programs over at North Dallas High School, which is one of the poorest high schools in the DISD area. It has a lot of um, kids who, as you mentioned, are housing insecure, a lot of families who are dealing with uh, several issues that just your normal everyday family doesn't doesn't deal with, and um, they have this amazing principal, amazing counselor, dedicated staff, and they really open their doors to our our congregation going in and mentoring and working with these kids. But what was found by the church is that the need was greater than just a volunteer. Could handle. Mm. And so out of it came a separate 501c3 nonprofit organization called Incarnation House. So our, our foundings are through the church. However, we are now a standalone nonprofit, and we are dedicated to building one-on-one -on -one relationships with the students, supporting the staff and the teachers, and supporting the families and through not just the nine months of the school year, but really year-round. Now, when uh, did you get started with Incarnation House? When did it uh, make the jump from being just the, the church organization to being the, the, the fully-fledged nonprofit that it is now? So uh, the, the after-school programming doors opened. We, we call it our clubhouse, where the kids would come into the clubhouse. 
started in 2016. Mm -hmm. So we are getting ready to start basically our fifth year. Now, uh, Dallas County has got the highest youth poverty rate in the state. I think I'm right in saying that one out of five children are currently Mm -hmm. living below the poverty line. I mean, that is a shocking statistic. Shocking. And, you know, North Dallas High School and uh, Incarnation House is located roughly seven minutes from the Park Cities area, mm-hmm. which you could say is, you know, one of our wealthier areas of Dallas. Um, it's, it's unbelievable how much poverty and homelessness are rampant in our community. Yeah, I've noticed that. I mean, I've lived in uh, DFW for uh, about six months now. I came, well, just just before Christmas, so a bit bit longer than six months. And with COVID, obviously, my my learning how and where everything is has been somewhat thwarted. I I don't feel like I've got the the whole area down yet. But it it has uh, been apparent to me that things can change literally – you know, block by block. So, I mean, it's kind of astounding that you could have so many wealthy people living in those houses and then literally just a a few streets away, there are so many kids that are desperately in need. Mm -hmm. Now, that that is true. You will find the the neighborhood somewhat intertwined and and really our community um, just on any given street corner, on any given... Uh, uh, you know, one street down, you might see a great need. And that's where I really applaud Church of the Incarnation, is recognizing that um, that is a a congregation that very much believes in missions, and they recognized that there was a, a mission field and a need right across the street in their own community. Yeah. Now, how receptive have uh, the people in the, let's call them the nicer neighborhoods, been to uh, you as a nonprofit organization and uh, maybe they're people that can help out uh, financially? Are they aware of the work that you do? Have you, have you, you know, have you managed to seek help from the, the more wealthy, literally the more wealthy neighbors that you have in the area? Sure. Absolutely. I, I'm blown away by the generosity of Dallas. The Dallas community, uh, in general, um, you put a need out there and it's met. We have an incredible, I'm just going to call it a a donor database and a volunteer database. It might be donating money, it might be donating items, it might be donating time. Um, Because one of the things that we feel is very strong for any teenager, uh, whether they are stricken with poverty or live in a wealthy area, but all teenagers need really great adult mentors. Mm. You hear, um, you know, NFL players talk about a high school coach that meant a lot to them or, you know, so on and so forth. Everyone, every teen really can benefit greatly from adult mentors. And so what's super important to us is uh, Monday through Thursday during our after-school programming is that we do have adults there who might just play basketball play play cards, um, sit and talk, um, whatever it is, it's just building relationships. And so we have a, a wonderful volunteer database, donor database, and it's very impressive how much people really come out. Because I'll tell you, too, once you meet these kids, kind of hard to stay away yeah they're yeah. awesome now i want to give out some. i want to give out the contact details a few times during this segment now would be a good time to do that because uh, so someone would uh, be listening maybe now and thinking ha huh, well you know i've been hit hard by covid so maybe i'm not that financially well off but i'm good at playing basketball or cards and you know you need those right. people with with game skills can help out so that's uh, right. for, for the first time let's uh, let's give them uh, maybe a website address that people can go to if they think uh, so far that they can uh, they can help Incarnation House out in any way? Sure. I mean, the best way is go to our website, incarnationhouse.org. And when you look at the staff page, you will see my name and contact information. And then our program director is Paige Gibson and her contact information as well. She handles all volunteers and anyone dealing directly with uh, wanting to come and deal with the kids in the clubhouse. And then I handle pretty much any donations. Okay. But any of us can help. Yeah. Any of us can help. And I'll tell you, it's such an easy way to volunteer too, because 
if you don't play basketball or want to come down, or maybe you are concerned about COVID, so you don't want one-on-one, you know what our kids love? They love fresh-baked cookies. (laughs) We have some wonderful older women who just love to bake cookies and drop them off. So basically, if you have uh, skills in one particular area, then they can probably be used at uh, Incarnation House, be it from uh, baking cookies all the way through to playing cards or basketball and everything in between, right? Absolutely. In fact, um, we are the newest organization for the YMSL. It's the Young Men's Service League Lone Star Chapter which comprises mostly mothers and sons in the high school at Trinity Christian Academy. Mm. And um, with COVID and our kids not being in the clubhouse a lot and it being the summer, you know, YMSL reached out and said, what can we do to help? And we said, you know what, We've, we're feeding people during COVID. We need non-perishable and perishable, you know, fresh fruit items to put in our grocery bag. Mm. We were overwhelmed with teenage boys and their moms they, we had over um, 60 mother-son teams drop off food wow. to help feed our kids. That is so good. There's so many ways to volunteer. So uh, once again, and we'll give the uh, website address out a few times during this segment, incarnationhouse.org. Now, Evelyn, um, yeah. the uh, 90% of students at North Dallas High School are considered economically disadvantaged. Um, give me some examples as to what that looks like in terms of, you know, how much these these kids need help. To say they're economically disadvantaged, what would the examples of that be? Mm -hmm. So what we describe that is perhaps they are, their family is one paycheck or one illness away from losing a home. Mm. Perhaps they don't have transportation available to their family. Maybe they're a single parent or they're living with an aunt or a grandmother or uncle or so forth. Um, these, are, these are teenagers living in situations that can change within one day. Uh, they are paycheck to paycheck, or they are um, government paycheck to government paycheck. Um, lots of situations like that. We have a lot of, obviously, uh, we have a lot of great parents who just have had you know, difficult times in their life, and they just um, are struggling, mm. and so poverty is very, very real for them. Yeah. And, um, you know, all of our programs, and um, that's what's yeah. scary and frustrating for our kids is our kids and their siblings, whether they're at North Dallas High School or not, we're receiving a free meal every day and possibly a free breakfast as well. And mm. then all of a sudden, to have school end early, um, these homes, had a house full of kids that now they had were feeding more meals than they were used to. Yeah. That that's really what defines economically disadvantaged. Lots of uh, difficult things that these kids have to deal with in their personal lives. I mean, I'm I'm thinking situations that you wouldn't even think people of teenage years would, uh, you know, would have to counter. Mm hmm. You know, many of our kids have been in and out of the foster program. I say many, some. Mm. Some of them have had legal issues, and some of them just simply have home life where coming to a safe, secure, wonderful place after school and makes all the difference. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, how have you adapted during COVID-19? As I mentioned at the start of the segment, um, it's been difficult for everyone in different ways. Uh, as a non-profit organization, um, helping kids who, who desperately need it, what, uh, what changes so, have you put in place? As I mentioned, our kids, our teens, receive um, several meals a day through uh, the DISD, through the, um, the, the cafeteria program. And then when you come to Incarnation House, Monday through Thursday, we give them after-school snacks and we give them dinner. And we really focus on healthy meals. Sometimes we do do the pizza and soda because these are teenagers. And <laughs> they like, they like a treat. <laughs> they do. Uh, but, you know, we, we really try and do... I'll tell you, their favorite night is make your own tacos. These are Texas kids. Um, <laughs> yes. So... We're feeding, you know, these kids, and um, 
then they're taking food home to the siblings. And so our biggest concern when we all came back from spring break and the world was all of a sudden very different Mm. was how do we help our families? And so we started the pantry program and we quickly became a food bank since the kids were not coming to us. We were taking groceries directly to their door once a week. Right. And so we did bags. It depends on how many people were in the house. Anywhere from one bag to four bags of non-perishable. They received a gallon of milk. They received a loaf of bread. They received um, a bag of fruit and vegetables. I mean, we go through more Hidden Valley Ranch bottles of uh, salad dressing to dip in carrots than anyone else in town. So we were <laughs> dropping that off for our kids. And then um, we try to also send home um, casseroles as yeah. well that were being donated from around town. Um, then what we were doing is we were in touch. Our staff divided up all of our kids and would touch base with them every week to see what special needs were. So, you know, we had one child who's like, I cannot get Internet service. I'm trying to complete online. And he's in the honors program. He's just so bright. Um, and so we worked to get help get his internet set up in his apartment. Yeah. And then we worked very closely with the school because, again, the, the, the principal and counselor and staff at North Dallas High School are so committed to these kids. We really are there to back them up. And um, so, you know, sometimes, though, they needed socks or deodorant or uh, soap sent home. Uh, everyone needed paper towels in the beginning. <laughs> so we were meeting the special needs as well. And so what we did is we did that on a weekly basis all the way through till June 1st. Right. And that carried the families kind of through what they normally would get through the schools, you know, helping to feed. Mm. And then during the summer, we have sent home groceries um, twice a month. And then, of course, we're also touching base with all of our families and every other week and making sure that, you know, no one's in desperate need. And I will say what has been amazing for this is we've now gotten to know the parents even better because normally we just see the kids after school. We have the parents, but not really. We've been blown away by the generosity of the community, the support, the um, thankfulness of these families. I mean, I've done some of the deliveries as well, and just getting, I mean, they hug on us and love us and are so excited, and it's been really fun. I know we've got some cute stories that have come out of it. Uh, You know, we're there to meet me to make sure everyone's getting healthy food and and being fed. And um, most of the time, you know, when we would text our kids or call our kids and say, hey, is there anything specific you need? They might write back and say, can you do a second thing of milk? Or we're out of peanut butter. You know, things like that. Mm, mm. But we had one of our hilarious, hilarious, cute boys text us and goes, you know what I really need? I really need M&M's. <laughs> and we all laughed so hard. And, I mean, that's not really what our goal was. But I went out and bought a giant bag of M&M's because, you know what, sometimes you just need an M&M. <laughs> well, good so, for you. It, it, must you be, it must be good to get those kind of success stories, especially during a pandemic, because obviously none mm-hmm. of us have dealt with a pandemic before, and we've all had to take steps to uh, you know, modify our behavior and what we do from a, from a business point of view. It sounds to me like you guys basically modified what you do by listening to the needs of the the kids you look after it sounds like the open communication was uh, was the key to your success but to, to get positives out of such a terrible situation as in right. the, the situation these kids are in with now a pandemic on top of that to get the positives right. of uh, you know know that knowing that you're helping them but also like you said to connect with the parents and maybe therefore have a, a better understanding of the family family situation, which I'm assuming can only help going forward in terms of, uh, of, of how you help them. It's amazing that the pandemic has forced you into these situations, but if you take a step mm-hmm. back, you can go, well, if it wasn't for the COVID-19, you know, we wouldn't have achieved X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I, I did share that with our board of directors. We have a very hands-on, very dedicated board, board of trustees, and I was sharing with them, I said, 
I'm going to, I'm actually going to be bold enough to say, I'm thankful this happened because what we've also decided is uh, we were not providing groceries to our families over summer when our kids were out of school. We're now, that's now a full program. We're going to do that every summer going forward. Mm. And anytime, you know, if our kids go back, which they're supposed to go back in September, if they, you know, if all of a sudden there's an outbreak and we have to stop again, we know, we know how to do this now. We're, we're meeting their basic needs. We're trying to meet their emotional needs as much as possible. You know, I'll, I'll say this too. Do you know how many of our kids kept requesting we send art supplies home? No idea. Because we do a lot of art therapy. That is a wonderful way to provide therapy without to teenagers because they don't realize they're getting therapy. Mm. And they think they're just having fun. <laughs> and so um, we sent... So many art supplies home, and I will. I'd love to do a shout out to AT and T. They provided most of the art supplies. They're one of our biggest corporate donors, and they don't just give items and money. They give people, and they are delivering. They were delivering the art supplies to us. So, um, you know, you're right. Out of this pandemic, we we really saw a lot of wonderful people in our community step up. And we've got to know the families better. And I, I do feel like going forward, we're going to be a better program for it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really good to hear. How does the selection process work for students to become a part of uh, what you do at Incarnation House? Anyone can come. If you go to North Dallas High School, our doors are open. Okay. Now, you know, they tell us that it's roughly 90 to 92% of the student body that is economically disadvantaged. But we're not going to discriminate against that. If you go to North Dallas High School, come on over, freshmen right. through seniors. And then we always have our alumni come back. Yeah. When they come back from college, uh, we work very hard to make sure that our graduating seniors have a life plan. We hope it includes college. But, you know, this year, um, three of our – we had 13 graduating seniors, and three of them, just college wasn't going to be an option for them. But for 10 of them, it was. And we invite them back throughout the year also. Wow, that's really good. Um, how do you and the people that you work with, um, the volunteers, not get too emotional when you're dealing with some of the students and, and hearing their stories? I mean, that, that must be difficult just on a you know, human-to-human basis. You know, it's really such a happy place. I don't think that it is emotional. Um, if I'm understanding your question correctly, um, we do provide volunteer training when needed. Uh, obviously all of our volunteers are background checked and we, our staff is always there, but, um, this is an incredibly happy place to be. And, um, you know, we have the, these kids just want to come and laugh and have fun. Yeah. They really do. And um, we, we do have our issues. Sometimes we, we've certainly, we have very tight security. We, we have had, um, you know, a couple of instances over the years where that was definitely, definitely needed. Um, but I think some people walk in a little concerned, like, oh, is this going to be sad? Is this going to be sad? Is this going to be hard? And it's not. These are great, fun teenage kids. Uh, during the NFL draft last year, we had, uh, well, this, this past year, uh, we had lots of fun texting back and forth. I'm a Denver Bronco fan. Most of them are Dallas Cowboy fans. There was a lot of smack talk going on. <laughs> uh, they just want to be normal and, and laugh and have fun. And um, I think that's why we have so many volunteers and so many recurring volunteers as they come and they get to know these kids. You're going to find someone you connect with. Right. There's, you're going to. Uh, and then... Um, they just start connecting, and you just realize you, you miss them. We have missed these. We have missed seeing our kids during the pandemic. Um, we're so hoping that they, that our clubhouse is full in September and that they all get to come back because we just we miss laughing and joking and razzing each other and um, doing it in person. So it's a great place to volunteer, but if that's not your thing, like I said, there's so many ways to help us out. Yeah, yeah, um, and it sounds like it's. Uh, it's a, oh, go ahead. It sounds like it's a very much a, a, a two way street. I mean, the kids need help, and people give up their time and volunteer. But it, it does sound like the volunteers also get something out of it. 
Absolutely. We, re- we really do. Every Monday night we have, um, you know, Mo comes. She's one of our board of trustees. Mo is there every Monday night. Um, we have several people from Intercom um, who we just, again, Intercom is an amazing supporter mm. and um, doing back-to-school supplies, uh, drives for us, food drives for us. And um, we, have, we have volunteers that come on a weekly basis from Intercom. Um, last year, we did a leadership retreat down into the Hill Country, and several of the Intercom uh, employees came and helped with that, and they're like, that was a hoot. <laughs> uh, we did a challenge course with our kids out in the Hill Country. It was beautiful, um, and they just thought it was hilarious. That's so. that, that's really good. Now, in terms of, of, of volunteering, um, I know you, you you know you welcome people from all different uh, backgrounds with different skills because, as we said, you know you can go from being an expert card or basketball player to someone who bakes uh, amazing cookies. Is there a sort of set parameters in terms of how much you how much of your time you you volunteer? Like in terms of getting involved with uh, helping you out, is there a program, or can people just decide you know they've got a bit of free time and contact you directly to see what they can offer you? Uh, there, there's no set time. Absolutely, just contact us if you have an interest. And as I said, some people like to come and sit there from 4.30 to 7.30 after school. Uh, we have some people who tutor. Uh, we do Tuesday tutoring. And so maybe maybe you're a school teacher um, or a retired school teacher, and you're, we, we always need math. Um, last year, I had one of my sweet girls come up to me and say, I'm really struggling on my calculus homework. And I looked at her and said, I'm so sorry. I'm not your gal. So we always be math tutors. We <laughs> uh, Spanish tutors as well. We um, always need, you know, Spanish tutors. Mm. Um, but, I mean, if you just, if you want to come and volunteer time, all you have to do is reach out. We can personally tailor something for you. If you want to donate food, um, I will tell you we do our dinners every night. Please visit our website. Go to the meal train. Sign up. And all the instructions are on it. Um, that is up and ready for the first semester this fall and winter. Um, so we need someone. Uh, I'll tell you, it's a great thing, too, for companies. Um, Intercom has done this. AT&T has done this. We have law firms uh, or teenage groups. Um, Jesuit High School is, is a supporter where they will get a group together, come in, cook some dinner, and leave it for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a great team building for companies or, or groups, civic groups, um, as well as desperately needed for us. We um, also, you know, I'm just going to say it because I'm in charge of fundraising. We need people who also just want to donate money. Mm. I need them all. <laughs> and one of the best ways to do it is on the North Texas Day of Giving, which is coming up in September. And our goal is $75,000. And you just have to go to either our website, and you can get all the appraiser for us. And um, we're really hoping to get that 75000 in. And every little penny counts. We have lots of people who just do $25, and $25 helps. Yeah, yeah. So the North Texas Day of Giving is the uh, is the what you're aiming for here, which is what date in September? I knew you were going to ask me that. I believe it's <laughs> September 17th this year. Okay. Well. Uh, for some reason, I keep thinking September 19th, as that was the date last year. Right. Um, but, yes, we are... We are very much um, hoping that that comes in real strong, and it is. It is September 7th. Okay. NorthTexasDayOfGiving.org, and you can sign up early in September. They'll, they'll open it up. Um, I don't know that date yet where you can um, give early, but on September 17th, we're hoping to raise $75,000 for these yeah. kids. Yeah, that would be that would be great. Good luck with that. So, uh, just to uh, reiterate, um, incarnationhouse.org is the website address that people can go to to get all the information about what you do. You can make donations there. Uh, you can have uh, conversations with uh, people from your office regarding uh, how you can help out, and everything in terms of assistance is welcome. Whether you can tutor in math, or you're good at playing basketball, or you can just make some amazing food. The only thing on the food is we're saying if you meet the kids and they say they want more pizza and tacos, you have to moderate the amount of pizza and taco, right? Exactly. (laughs) 
Oh, they do love pizza and tacos. We do try to get green beans and so forth in, and we always say, put something green on your plate and don't make it an M&M. <laughs> but occasionally, if someone says they want some M&Ms, you will go get them some M&Ms. That's part of the service. Oh, I'll tell you, um, we do have people who, who give, like, either every other week, they'll do dinner. Okay, I'm going to do a shout-out to Javier's restaurant. They, they did every other week last year. They brought in enchiladas. That was one of my favorite nights to be there. I try and snag one. And um, so we have, you know, we have people that will do like once a month, like they're the second Tuesday or something. Yeah. And the ones that provide dessert are always the kids' favorite. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Uh, so once again, incarnationhouse.org to get all the information and uh, look to uh, how you can uh, help out the organization. Um, Evelyn, it's been great to have you on the show this morning. I really appreciate your time and uh, especially good luck with uh, getting that money raised uh, by September 17th for the North Texas Day of Giving. Yes, thank you so much. And thank you, Dallas community. You have really stepped up and made a difference. I'm Ian Canfield. Thank you you so much for joining me and Jay Creswell as we have brought to you two more incredible stories of non-profit organizations doing amazing things in our community right here on Better Living. Have a great Sunday, everyone. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 